1: Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Starring News Channel 11's
2: Pete Christie. Inside the Red Raiders publisher Jarrett Johnson. The Beard sports director Sean Dillon. And host of The Rockin' Pregame, Jeff Scott. Hi there. A little bit of a late start, but uh, sorry, it's, uh, it's cold outside. Pete is very irritable today. No, and, why am uh, I? I am not. Oh, I was just trying to blame it on you. No. Okay, I gotta we roll with attention. the punches, All right. Jeff. All right, that's right. Um too too blessed to be stressed. Is that what yeah, you want know to say? Always. Okay. I
0: All mean right. it's like a little slap in the face today. The roads aren't too bad. They'll no. probably be worse tonight.
2: So right. I'd get out and about now. Yeah. Okay. That's true, yeah. Jared, how are you today? Step to the mic there and say howdy.
3: I agree with that whole philosophy, especially with technology. You know I mean? We're yeah. living on the internet. I mean, things are going to happen. Right. You can't, if you lose your mind every time the uh, internet goes down, your network goes down, right. you're not going to, uh, you're going to stroke out, to be honest. <laughs> I don't want to do that over. And listen, the I'm telling
2: you right now, I don't want to stroke out today. <laughs> That's just, I mean, you know, maybe other days, but not today. Uh, so anyway, it's the Rockin' pregame today, and uh, we're all freezing, and uh, the weather always plays havoc with some stuff. But we got a lot, of, a lot of things to get to today. We're going to, uh, as usual, have a lot of recruiting. Uh, information Over 30 offers from the uh, Red Raider football. Who can they add realistically? And, uh, yeah, Jarrett's going to break that down because it's kind of interesting because, yeah, they're putting out offers left and right. It's just like, it's sort of like uh, if you're going to ask uh, for a date for a prom, you know, you put out the vibe to enough ladies. There's bound to be one of them that might commit in some way. But you also... You know, if you're not the, if you're not the best looking guy in the room, you got to be realistic about who you're asking you to go to prom and with. You too, if right? you
3: wait too long, somebody else might scoop up that date. I'm just saying.
2: So. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot goes into it. So yeah, recruiting's much the same. So we'll get to that. Also, um, basketball recruiting. You know, why are the Red Raiders recruiting wings and not big guys? That's been a, a lot of people kind of wonder about that. So we'll delve into that. Um, we've got two games against TCU coming up. Uh, Lady Raiders update. Pete'll have that for us. And the new football schedule is out for this uh, upcoming season. And uh, we'll just get some early thoughts uh, as of uh, you know today, the way things stand with questions of quarterback and some of that stuff, you know. And is there going to be spring football? So looking at the uh, the new schedule today, we'll uh, just kind of see what we think. Uh, tech, you know, what what the possible record could be. I know I know what I what I'm thinking after looking at it. So uh, so yeah, we'll take a look at that. Um, we've got the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll uh, coming up as well today. The new one with our uh Michael Hunter and Eric Haslam. And then we're joined by uh, Rocco Miller today as well. A special guest here on the Rockin' pregame. So uh, that's a little bit about what uh, what is to come. As always, we start with the Rockin' Reality check. And, uh, you know, Pete, why don't you start? You're closest to the, uh, to the microphone. There, oh, right? thanks. Yeah, um... <laughs> I, well, all right. then. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you
0: know, I'm just. I I don't like. Uh, I mean, I'm not happy with the weather, and I'm I'm scurrying around today. Uh, yeah, they moved some games. High yeah, games just. I mean, all these coaches now are telling me most of the games are canceled. So that's oh, okay. going to push back playoffs and stuff, and uh, it's 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 going to be a mess. As one coach just texted me, "Going to be a quiet sports
2: weekend. Good luck." Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. On yeah, your line of work, that's uh. How do you feel
3: time well, with
0: that? Well, I mean, yeah. come on. COVID came, we still had sports, so we'll get it done. We'll All get right. it done. But uh, um, I think everybody's still talking about Chris Beard and his uh, his uh, I don't know what you would call Melt- it. Just well, him being passionate I was say for his down, players. But that makes it sound well, yeah. Like I don't no think he melted down. So, yeah. He just uh, he didn't like a call right. and uh, outburst. yeah, an outburst. Yeah. You so um, you know, I uh, I saw you know Kirby Hocutt wrote a letter to the Big Twelve uh, defending him and. You know, I mean it's uh
3: I it, feel like they're just kind of playing out the string with that stuff. Pete I mean, It's yeah. like all this stuff like the public reprimand, who cares about right. that? Right. That's who I lied. mean that's that's
0: Big 12 saying, well, we got to do something. Let's publicly reprimand him. You know what it reminds me of, Jeff? What's time that? for a Pete Christie quick story. When I worked at a TV station in Oregon, the World Series was going on and I did a story on how everybody went to the bathroom at the end of innings. So pipes were in trouble across the country because I forgot what World Series it was, but we did the story in Oregon, and I did a you know, a reenactment how I was at the end of third inning, and I run to the bathroom, and we got video, and so I did it, and all these people like, oh, man, that was a great story. The boss came to me. Hey, I, I didn't like that. I'm writing you up in your folder, and he wrote, I, I didn't like this Saturday Night Live skit. You've been reprimanded. Don't do it again. And I thought, what is that? When I left two years later, I had 11 of those letters in his folder. That's all I'm well, going to say. You're a bad boy. No. No I mean, wonder
2: the ladies like you. Whatever. You're a bad boy. You know, I'm
0: not using profanity on the air. I'm doing creative stuff. So yeah. I just always, that's what I thought of with Chris Beard. They're. You know, a reprimand.
2: Who cares? Right. Yeah, Bite me. By the way, um, before I get to Jerris Rock and Reality Check, I have one question. So, did you get reprimanded because you're going to the bathroom? Were you showing things on the camera? You shouldn't no, be I didn't do that. You? No,
0: he just didn't like the the, the idea. Stick. I okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay.
0: And there were other things. I bet he was yeah. fun at parties. He's like a real fun guy. I believe he his quote was, uh, and recently he retired.
3: That and, was my and, reality check. Cause I just want to hear more about this. <laughs> no. Was wait. So did they, did your boss have eleven letters for you? Or, right. Or, okay. Right. They wrote me up eleven <laughs> so, times. And
0: recently, the boss, uh, I called him because he retired, and he said to me, "quote I'm shocked you're still in the business." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "I worked in Philadelphia Market Four for seven years." And he says, "Now I'm really shocked." Wow. I said, "Look, dude, I'm not here for you." Yeah. Dang man! So, all right. right
3: even though y'all obviously didn't get along, you still yeah. called him when you retired. Yeah, I that's mean, I, the kind of guy Pete. But Christie, I didn't have that's, that's right. Yeah. Have for Pete. Yeah, <laughs> he's a great guy. Well, well yeah. He didn't like me. <laughs> he didn't like what I did. So it's but
0: the viewers <laughs> did, and that's what's important. That's right. Yeah, yeah. as long as uh, but you don't cross the, the line. you not yeah. crossing right. the line.
2: Okay, but well, you know no. what? Maybe
0: bathroom humor
2: should should. State
0: of the side. You know what? It sounds I like learned.
2: something that I would have been interested in watching. <laughs> yes. It really does. So, well, it was pretty paid, good. So yes. So. <laughs> uh, uh but, but by is the way,
3: reprimanded for, <laughs> reprimanded for, I guess bad content. It's not even like, in, in that guy's <laughs> opinion. Which, right. I, like you said, I kind of like. That's an interesting angle. That's like, subjective. I never thought you know? of it. Yeah, right. So. You're right. I mean, I, I would be. This well, guy's yeah. a clown show, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing
2: he retired. Yeah. yeah, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been reprimanded.
3: How about that? All right, <laughs> the TV we game. verbally reprimanded. <laughs> him. The game has obviously passed this dude by. You right? Know I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: No, but so so. What did you find out though about about? I mean, was there like this yeah. was kind of a research situation? You were doing this to see. I mean, what right. what what was the end result here besides you getting
3: reprimanded?
2: Well, just, well, just that you know, pe- the water people were worried because people
0: were flushing all across the country at the same right. time right. wow. in between innings. So I, you would think that happens every year, but well, I yeah. just remember it that year. And so we, I did the story. Okay, that's right, all.
3: All right. It was well, a public. What service. was it? What was the title? Coordinated flushing or coordinated no, flush? No.
0: <laughs> okay. I don't remember, but okay. the, well, it's it sounds. But it, I, I, so I've been publicly reprimanded before too. It's okay. Yeah, you, you survived. To look now, you're
2: a huge not, star, yeah, and that's so, you know, you're a huge star. You're, you're a huge celebrity in a small town, and well, uh, but life. you know, yeah. he was
0: throwing his fists and stuff, Mm-mm. not near people. But then he fell to the ground. I thought he was going to split his pants or something. But he was passionate for his guys and. You know, uh, now this is your boss. No, I'm talking about Chris now. I'm talking beard. about beard. I'm oh, okay. going back to beard. <laughs> oh my okay, this was the guy that reformed you. We're off to you. a
2: roaring start. Right? <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh my gosh, I'm done. All reality right. check. Okay, Jared, step to the mic. Rocking well, reality <laughs> check. My
3: thought was, uh, I've been thinking of two things. Uh, just you know, Snowmageddon. That were you know, uh, and, and well, actually three things. And the weathermen apparently can you know be wrong all the time. Uh, cause no, no precipitation, right? I mean, wasn't that the forecast supposed to be bone dry today? Yeah. Sunday was the day it was supposed to right. snow and now it's crazy. I think it was snow, Wednesday right? too. There was supposed to be no precipitation and right. I, you know, I don't Yeah. Know. And I saw a car,
2: car flip over on its side on the loop that day. Yeah.
3: So I, that's crazy. just like, you know, that's, that's interesting to me. And then, uh, <laughs> 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 Peace, <life. laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah, with beard getting ejected, I started thinking about all the places I've been thrown out of.
2: Is it, is it a lengthy many? list? I mean,
3: more than I'm going to admit now, really. but I, I, I don't think I've ever been thrown out of a sporting event. Okay. Yeah. I did cause a riot. Well, not I, it was really my friend. <laughs> oh my, my friend caused a what? riot at the first, we broke through barricades at the very first Cowboy game at Jerry World. We were in the standing room only, and this was the fire marshal game, the first game ever, the Giants. won. Well, Eli famously, Eli uh, Manning famously signed the, the locker room. Okay. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, they're they like holding people back. It was like 120,000, and I think they normally it's like 105 percent that Jerry World capacity. But they wanted to break that record, you know, have that, and uh, we were part of that. We were like some like among thousands held behind a barricade, and uh, yeah, we broke one of my. Oh, I, I don't want to just pass the buck, but I'll say the the group of guys and we had been tailgating for hours before the game, right? Uh, we broke through the barricade, and then it was just like, I don't know, a tsunami. So we didn't get kicked out, okay. But we weren't supposed to go in yet. So I don't know if that counts. But I have been uh, kicked out of public places before. That, like okay, I said, all right, but yeah. I was trying to think, like, like how many? Right, so what yeah. and what was did I did I did I want to? Like Beard obviously wanted to. Yeah, he's you know like what I mean. Like that really was calculated. Yeah, I don't yeah. think mine were ever calculated. Mm,
2: yours are just you're a victim of circumstances. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's right. the so Jeff.
3: Right. You should have been a lawyer.
2: Yeah, hey, you know, <laughs> listen. What about my, y'all? Y'all yeah, my, been kicked out of My client was a victim of circumstance here, yeah. I don't know that I, I'm trying to, I was sitting there, I was like, man, you guys are, you know, got your bad boy stories here, and I'm like, man, I guess I'm just uh, living a nice life. I'm trying to think of what, uh, if I ever, I don't remember getting kicked out of a venue or anything. <laughs> you I, got bit by a dog once. Well, I did get bit by a dog down in Lukenbach, <laughs> so atop that, but yeah, that's... Uh, I think in
3: Minneapolis, I was politely... I was asked to leave in one of the establishments. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, come on, Tech beat uh, Michigan State. We were partying with everybody, right? Right. I, it wasn't like fighting or anything. I think I was trying to give uh, one of my friends a hug and I knocked over like, there was a bunch of beer on the table and I basically like just cleared the table. <laughs> so they're like, hey guy, you know, if you want to, you could leave, and so it was very yeah. polite. But, so they didn't uh, have
2: like a bouncer come over, no, 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 and no, no. force forcibly remove
0: you. No, it was we okay. were
3: happy. There was no okay. nothing like that. I mean Michigan State fans were happy that night, but right, so, okay. Even right, we'll Auburn love- fans remember that they were fighting mad. Oh, that game was yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, oh, no, I was just I was thinking, when was the last time? I was asked to leave, I guess, and, uh, yeah, that was that. That would be it, I think.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, you know what? You sound like a fun guy. Though. I mean, you're getting kicked out. It was mostly this, my younger it. years. Yeah. You know, I've <laughs> settled down quite a bit. All right. So, uh, coming up here next, we'll get to uh, inside the Red Raiders recruiting. Uh, we're going to start with some football stuff because uh, there's a lot of offers out there, but it is interesting, you know, realistically, what shot does Tech have with a lot of these guys? So, we'll uh, break that down. <laughs>
4: inside the redraiders.com recruiting.
2: All right, so we're we'll going to start with some uh, football recruiting here first. There's been uh, there's like I guess they've offered like 30 guys that are uh, you know pretty highly highly touted guys I guess with offers from
3: huge schools. What Yeah, they've offered uh like over 80 guys so far in this recruiting cycle, which is really not a lot compared to uh a lot of the other power 5 schools in the country and I you know, I've I wanna say defended, but I've been a big fan of what they did in that last recruiting class, despite the rankings, because I feel like even the twenty four seven sports, the, the rankings are a little outdated because of what the transfer portals become. Mm-hmm. Uh so and and they've been so effective. A lot of their best players have come via the transfer portal. So and I like the guys they've they've added for the two thousand twenty one class. Now the two 2000- thousand
2: Real quick, is it has it made the COVID stuff has it made it harder for guys like you to rate players also sure. because just sure. getting to games and that kind of stuff.
3: Absolutely. Okay. Now they okay. were able to, they played the season, so that helps. But and they are doing some camps, but there hasn't okay. been as many camps. Uh, just knowing, like one of the big things is getting guys on campus for visits. That's so you know. Like they're really interested in because you ask a coach and publicly they're going to be, Oh, I like this guy. I like that They're going to say all the nice things, but I like to, to watch what they do. What do recruits mm-hmm. actually do? Who do they actually go visit? What You know, recruits do the colleges actually want to come visit and they're going to spend those resources on. So without having that information, it is more of a guessing game. And then just the recruits themselves don't have as much information on the colleges. Mm -hmm. And then the coaches don't have as much information on those recruits because they're not getting to go see them at their school, talk to their coaches in person and all that stuff. You know, talk to their guidance counselor about their grades. And because they do, they, if they really are starting to get interested in somebody, they'll talk to, opposing coaches. They'll talk to their uh, neighbors. I mean, they get, it gets pretty involved. Really? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really does. So, they're not... They're operating... Everyone's operating with much less uh, information right now, which makes this 2022 recruiting cycle really crazy. And I actually heard... Just yesterday I read uh, one of my colleagues at 24-7 Sports at the Oregon site reported that it looks like the dead period, or at least the recommendation to the NCAA or by the NCAA before the vote, is to extend the dead period, which we've been in since March, uh, through April, maybe even through May. So right now it's up till April 15th. So that means no in-person recruiting <clears throat> is a recommendation through May. Okay, So we're in uncharted territory, which makes... Kind of what we're going to talk about here, kind of puzzling to me. Because um, okay. like I said, I would not call myself an apologist. I like to believe I'm a realist. And I'm a little confused about this this recent bunch of offers, what the game plan here is. Okay. So uh, let's just mention a couple of guys. The, uh, there's a cornerback named Marcus Scott, 6'2", 170, out of the Woodlands College Park. He's unrated. He's com- He committed to LSU on January 20th. Tech offered on February 3rd. What do you think the chances are of Tech flipping this guy?
2: Uh, He's an LSU commit.
3: Um, I mean, I think you'd have to say that's pretty low. Yeah. Um, So another guy, safety Bryce Anderson, 5'11", 187 pounds. Uh, He's out of Beaumont, Westbrook. Four-star, almost 40 offers, including Alabama, LSU, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Tech offered him on February 3rd.
2: So, what did, did did Tech evaluate and think? Oh, this guy might be a pretty decent player. This is after months Alabama, after after
3: uh, Alabama and Ohio State uh, offered. Yeah. Uh, safety Brian Allen out of Alito. Okay, a little closer to home here. Uh, you know, four star, over twenty five offers, including LSU, Auburn, Baylor, and Florida. Uh, once again, Tech was one of the last ones to offer on February third. Uh, I'll just go down the list here. Another guy. Let's say. This is recently. Let's talk about yesterday. Offensive tackle Cameron Williams. This may be the most shining example of the point I'm trying to make here. 6'6", six, six, 320 pounds from Duncanville, one of the best programs in the state. Four-star, almost 30 offers, including from Auburn, Baylor, LSU, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. All those guys offered last year, all those other schools, those those blue bloods. Mm-hmm. Tech offered yesterday. I mean, barring him being like related to the coaching staff, which I don't believe he is, what are the like cha- What is the point? Is I guess is what I'm asking. Right, right. That is weird. And and so
2: the first thing that comes to my <laughs> mind. I'm thinking, okay. Well, you know, you see these uh, these recruits are always putting out all those <clears throat> fancy uh, edits and stuff. Right. Of all the logos of all the teams that they're considering, and they're narrowing it down to their top ten and all that. Maybe uh, is it <laughs> is it something that. Their tech is trying to associate the program with, with highly rated guys they know they can't get, but they're hoping that maybe somebody puts the logo out there and it makes people go, oh, wow, Tech, I mean, they're, wow, they're, they're in with LSU and Alabama. Could it be a, something like a perception kind of thing that they're trying to create uh, this idea that they're going after the very best or something? I mean, surely they don't think that the, the percentages are high to, rate, or to offer those types of players that late in the game.
3: I have. I truly don't know, Uh, and I'm not sure even if, uh, when asking that, I'd get. uh, I I think an answer that we would not accept, but like, right, that would sit well. That would really answer it for us. Um, My whole point is that I didn't go into this trying to make the point that they're offering some of these guys way too late. It's too little, not enough offers, and then the offers they are making to guys that are. I just realistically it's probably not going to happen. Like 99.9% of them. So I-, I didn't mean to make that point. I just was going through uh, philosophical. I like to have my hands in everything. Cover right. the sports, recruiting, all that. So when I went and looked at these rash of this big grouping of offers, yeah. I, the commonality was like, these guys are way out of your league. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And right. if they weren't or let's say even if they are and you know I'm not telling them hey you shouldn't recruit try and get the best recruits because that's how you're going to get better but if you are you better get in early and establish that relationship not be the last one to the dance and hope you're going to steal them from the prom king I just don't see that's the thing you could see where like if tech
2: to get these type of guys they got like you said they got to be in there early forming a relationship building those bonds because then if Alabama comes in today and offers. You can see where they can flip guys like that. Oh, but, yeah. But that's completely different. If Saban
3: up. comes in in his co- you know, helicopter, right. there's a good chance he's going to flip them from even like a Texas, maybe even an OU. Right, but yeah. you're yeah. not Alabama. You're on the other spectrum in Power 5. So I don't... It's curious. Uh, there's a couple of guys, though, on this list that were offered recently that I do feel like Tech has a chance with uh, for different reasons. Uh, uh, Jared... Uh, I think his name is Beatty, 6'5", 212. He's from Illinois, and you're like, well, how do they have a chance with him? Uh, they have some ties with the coaching staff to that area. Kevin Cosgrove is a guy like his, his son actually runs a recruiting service in the Midwest and everything. Oh, yeah. So they actually jump out early on a lot of guys, be, I think, because of that. And Kevin Coach Cosgrove is real proactive. He was the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, Nebraska. So great ties, great relationships in that area. Um, this, this guy's a three star. Six, five, so that's going to be enticing for a lot of having that frame and being able to run the way he can. Uh, he has 11 offers, including from his home state, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa State, which, man, if there's a good recruit in the Midwest, it's a it's a good bet that Iowa State's already offered him mm-hmm. and probably offered him before Texas Tech, unfortunately. Right, right. So that's something to worry about. Nebraska, Purdue, and Wisconsin uh, Tech offered just on February 9th. So that is still a big mountain to climb there, coming in late compared to those other schools that are in the region. But at least you have some ties and you're not so late that, you know, like Ohio State in Alabama has offered. You right, know what I mean? Right, Because uh, yeah. that's a guy that if he is still around later will go down. If, 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 like, say, Alabama or Ohio State didn't get the first two or three guys they wanted, which one does that happen? But if hypothetically that happens, then he'd be a guy that they call up late. Mm-hmm. And like you said, those – Programs can flip guys late, right? Can swoop in and yeah, and then even somewhat locally, uh, West Texas flavor. Defensive tackle Avion Carter, uh, you know, six four, listed at two twenty uh, from Amarillo, Tescosa. Obviously, you got LB more recently out of Tescosa. It's a good football program. Uh, you know, he's unrated. He's already been offered by Arizona State and Baylor. So you hate that somebody in West Texas, kind of in your backyard, right? Uh, has already been offered by two Power Five programs before you, but at least. You, you did go ahead and offer. Because, I mean, come on, they need defensive linemen. This guy, uh, you look at his film, it makes sense. I know he's unrated, but like you said, everything's a little bit later right now. The, some of the ratings, all that stuff, because of the, the lack of access because of COVID. but Which I wonder, like, how much is COVID affecting tech, but it's not affecting these other programs, you know what I mean, from You're offering right. before. So I don't know if I'm willing to even consider that excuse either. yeah You know, so I, it'd be interesting... Um, I wonder if some of the turmoil, just from the coaching staff towards the end of last season and everything, and uh, them having to scrap just to bring in uh, these transfer these transfers that I like a lot. But I wonder if it's and Coach Wells even said like we're going to handle the 2021 cycle and then completely turn our attention to the 2022 cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, some of these other programs are able to, to do do both. do both. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I just I've been kind of a, a defender because i really believe in what they did with the 2021 cycle i like the high school guys they did sign i do like the guys they've added in the transfer portal but I, it's hard for me to reconcile what's going on with this 2022 cycle where tech's the only big 12 program who doesn't have a commit for that class
2: and you know you look at uh, the these guys that are on the on your list here it's like the you know the turmoil the coaching i guess there was the is wells going to be here or not turmoil mm-hmm. but but ultimately it was, you know, like offensive coordinator being let go and, you yeah. know, Cumby coming in. And you would think that that would, that could cause maybe some turmoil in recruiting right there. But these guys are, most of these guys are even defensive players. Yeah. where They're somewhat, uh, tech is somewhat, you know, solid there on defense with.
3: Well, you look at, okay, this receiver, Chris Marshall, I didn't mention out of Fort Bend Marshall. This is a place that you've recruited. I mean, everybody recruits there. Great, great recruits out of that area uh, in, you know, Missouri City, Texas. Uh, he's a 6'3 receiver. Three-star, so he's not you know four-star. has almost 20 offers, including, including LSU, Texas, Texas A&M, and USC. You know, Tech just offered two days ago. So, I mean, I... So are, they are you missing gonna,
2: these guys, or what? I don't, I don't mean, know. It is, I, you know. This uh, is
3: really weird. You wonder what is going on there. Yeah, right? I, that's just what yeah, I... Yeah. In, in in the sake of being fair and being uh, genu- uh, genuine with, with fans out there, you know, if I... I'm defending the 2021 recruiting cycle, which I really believe in, I'm puzzled by what's going on. Yeah. And I hope, you know, it's it's early. It is. But, man, you hate to see Tech starting off tra- trailing like this. You know what right, I mean? Like, yeah. some programs, like, obviously, Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma State, they have four or five commits. But even Kansas has two commits yeah. in this cycle. You know? Two three-star commits. So, um, every other program in the Big 12 has at least one commit. Now, so, I like, think three or four of them only have one. But that's better than none right. you know what i mean like
2: <laughs> and it is weird how you're saying that you know we're talking covid and the excuses different things and that they were you know that now we're going to turn our attention to this well yeah but why yeah like you said everybody else has already turned their attention to this and was also doing the 21 class and they seem to be able to somehow come up with a way to to make it all happen it is it, it does these are these are head scratcher kind of things i really things, aren't
3: wish they? they would follow models like i'm trying to think in the big 12 Somewhat between Kansas State, which they do with transfers, and Iowa State, where Iowa State offers a lot more prospects than Texas Tech, and I don't understand why Texas Tech doesn't. I think they're in a position where they should be. I get being picky to a point, but when you're in the position you are right now, you have no mm. commits. Um, why not offer more? Target acquisition, <laughs> right? You're you're in the bottom half in terms of Power Five of the amount of offers so far. So you're playing catch up already, you know, and it looks like. One of the big things for tech is being able to show people what it's like out here in West Texas, mm-hmm. what you know, what a great atmosphere Texas Tech has on campus, and it looks like, like I said, that in person, that dead dead recruiting period is going to be extended through May. So, I, I'm um, if I'm being honest, I'm a little nervous yeah. <laughs> about this recruiting cycle. So, right. hopefully, they prove me wrong and I will get to brag on them and what a great job they did. But uh, this is where we're at right now.
2: All right. Well, that's uh, certainly a look at uh, football recruiting. We've got more recruiting. Coming up here in just a moment, we will shift to basketball and uh, really just kind of a discussion here on, you know, Texas Tech recruiting wing players and not not necessarily big guys, you know, and you, and you wonder with what a great recruiter beard is. You know, you, you think you'd be also wanting to, you know, recruit some big guys and uh, would be able to land some of those type players. So, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more here when we talk basketball recruiting.
4: Inside the Red Raiders recruiting.
2: All right, we were just going over some uh, football recruiting. Now it's time to move to basketball, and uh, you know, Tex, uh, always recruiting, always looking for. It's uh, Beard always talks about it. he's in the talent acquisition business, and uh, I guess that never that never stops. And he never no. sleeps.
3: <laughs> no, he doesn't have a problem multitasking. That's for sure. That's yeah. a, he's got a. Right. Be- Gotta be a couple beard clones out there doing making appearances for him. I don't know how he does it. I really don't. Uh, and tech, I want to be clear before we get into this discussion. This is just a philosophical debate that I have all the time with people, so I thought, why not have it on the air instead of just going through lists of guy, you know, offers and stuff like that. Um tech's recruiting on a level I thought never was gonna be possible in basketball right now. You know, I just I really didn't think it could happen. Um, but they are, they're a national program. Players seek out Texas Tech because of their development, because of their success, because they know they have a good chance of going in the NBA. Um, but there are some interesting things um, with this program that Coach Beard has been here long enough that it's worth at least talking about. For one, the uh, constant processing of big men—you know, every year it seems like another big man is, leaves the program. You know, and you right, bring in yeah. another guy, and he's like, oh, he's a project give him a year or two and then you do it again over and over again which is really counter to all the other wild success we've seen with this program so you wonder like is is Tyreek Smith first off do you consider him a big man
2: you know I mean it's funny because when you you ask me that my my initial punches with Tech I do yeah but if I saw him just you know just playing I, I don't think he's a big man but by Tech standards with what kind of what we're talking about yeah. here, he seems like he's a big man, but I I don't know that. He has I think truly he's a legitimate
3: is, college power forward, no, not a right, center. Yeah. So he's not a big but he's a rim man. protector. Right. Yeah. I can well, I guess it depends on your definition. I consider yeah. uh, it depends on the way they, they go, uh, the way they they run their their team and everything. But I consider Reek a legitimate because of his length and athleticism. It's yeah. it's different than his six seven frame, right. um, and and the end result is. Um, his like blocks per minute, rebounds per minute is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's off the charts. So I do consider him a big man. Now, other people are going to disagree, you know. Yeah. And I complete, I'm not saying, oh, oh you're, you're wrong. wrong. Like, you may be right. I don't, you know, it depends on your definition. If you want to talk about, a, you can't argue that Golden is a bi- is not a big man. He is seven yeah. foot, seven one, whatever. You know, he's yeah. He's, when I think
2: of a big man, I'm sure. thinking a guy that's six eleven or more.
3: So I, I always thought he was going to be a project this year. Now. What if he gets processed again and they bring some other guy, whether it be yeah. from whatever, maybe Putnam, probably Putnam Science Academy. Right, right. You know, right. As they have several, several guys. But like, so I, I think back to Josh Mbala, like, you know, he went to Buffalo and was a double-double guy for them. You know, Tech yeah. could have used him big time last year and they could use him this year. So, you know, there are definitely some improvements still in this program, despite it being at such a great, unfathomable le- level that we, never, right. we just never thought could be possible. Uh, and I'm definitely not one of those attractors. I'm a big fan of what's going on. Just looking at the big picture, what would happen if they, they targeted and landed more big men? Because they do target big men, just not a lot. And they haven't landed a lot of them. They right. land those wing guys. Right. Like they land they land some of the best wing guys in the country from coast to coast. You know, obviously, whether it be you know they have Jalen Tyson coming in. He may be the best player. Like I, he may be one of the. I think he's going to be definitely one of the best players ever to play for Texas Tech. He could be a lottery guy. Wow. Like soon. Okay. I mean, I, I I know that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody, but right. I urge you to. Well, Jerry Meyer, uh, a national analyst with Twenty Four Seven Sports, recently did a. Uh, breakdown of him, and this guy has no, he doesn't care about the Big 12 necessarily, he doesn't care about Texas Tech from o- Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, whatever, and he loves Jalen Tyson. He's just, he goes, after really breaking down his film, uh, this guy's going to be an absolute superstar, and I've been saying that for months. The yeah, guy's, guy's yeah. going to be great. So, I love what they're doing in terms of bringing in wing players, but Jeff, what do you think about, like, that seems to be like, and Coach is going on record as saying that he wouldn't mind feeling like Putting a team out there of all six, seven guys, and just letting them be positionless and everything, but do you think that philosophy is the right one? Would you rather have like a mix of like maybe at least one shifty little guard and one big man with three wings, or what do you think?
2: Yeah, see, that's that's what. Yeah, just having just yeah. When you're just talking sports and having fun, you know. Because I mean, I'm not going to pretend for one moment to be uh, to no better than Chris Beard. Neither am I. So I'm not trying to do that. But but no, it just seems like like when you see Tech play. Like West Virginia, you know, and you got the yes. Culver Big, you know, in the Big Twelve. Seem like so many teams have a, a big, big bruising guy in the middle that just pushes people around. And sometimes Tech, it, to match that kind of physical play with a big guy like that, you know, sometimes it, it would be nice to have a true big guy to come in there. And you know, even uh, like Norrance, I mean, he was he was an enforcer type oh, guy, yeah. you know, and and Tech doesn't really have an enforcer type guy uh, right now. You'd like so, it to
3: be Santa Silva. And I think right. he has some of the time, but not consistently, you Right, know? right. I mean, Not consistent enough, really, to where, he, I, I, well, just against Culver, I mean, honestly, Reek, Tyreek Smith was more effective than, than Santo Silva was against Culver.
2: Right. I, I agree. And, and uh, sometimes Silva almost just plays like a, a again, a big, strong forward right. more than a true big guy. Big man. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just... Well, so, that's so kind of what kinda we're kinda talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah. I
3: mean, even with McClung, he's a, a good combo guard, but is he really a point guard? Does yeah. Tech have a point guard? Yeah, and I know. Look, and if you ask Coach Beard, he'll bristle at that, and that's fine. That's his right. Uh, But to me, I always, I'd like to have that floor general. I love McClung. I he's a great player. I'm, and I'm actually really excited about this team. I think I'm higher on this team right now. Than anybody I come across, I think they're going to do some good things this year. But there are times where I'm like, man, I really wish they had that floor general, or like you said, that big man to throw at a Kansas or a West Virginia, yeah. or you know, like God forbid, you play Gonzaga in the tournament. I mean, come on, you're going to need some more length because when they made that run to the to the title game, you had Norris, you right, know, yeah. to go, you know, be the enforcer. But you also had Tariq, yeah, who was the ultimate shot blocker. I mean, right, he broke all yeah. kinds of records and stuff, you know. Uh, to go with these very physical wings you have, because it, it, to say that Tech isn't a physical team would be just a huge mistake. They are. I mean, right. obviously, yes. I, mean, yeah. I know that you know, you know yeah. that. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, John Riley, the strength coach. You look at what he's he's transformed this program in in, in mm-hmm. a way in terms of those guys are look like they're wearing a suit of armor with you know yeah. the the way he transforms their bodies. Uh, and it, it helps throughout Big Twelve play. It helps in the tournament, but it's on the wing players. You know what I mean. So yeah. it's only so much. Like as big as Kevin McCullough has become he's going to bounce off of Derek Culver. right yeah you know what I mean Yeah. so it is weird like you wonder is Beard right I mean he came within seconds of winning a title but you, I would argue that he had two legitimate big men right you yeah. know that, On the that team year. Nearly did you know what mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean so it's hard to find a Tariq Owens it's hard to find a Noren Zodiasi and all the things the the intangibles he he brought to the table so I get that, but uh, it'd just be interesting to see. Uh, Beard has made a, a philosophical switch just during the season this year to play more of his younger guys, you know. And I think that's proven to be a great decision. Beard is not one of these guys who's gonna be like, "I'm right. I don't listen to anybody." No, he one of my, one of his greatest strengths, in my humble opinion, is that he will admit. You know, maybe we should do something else. Maybe mm-hmm. we should change, and and then he becomes like the best at, at that change. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, it's something I admire about him. And I wonder if if he's even considered this or not, or if, the, if this is what he wants to do. If he really wants to get, because like I said, Jalen Tyson. I'm out, there's not a lot, a lot more players in the country that I would rather Tech have signed than mm-hmm. than who. And he keeps going up and up and up. I think he's last I saw was 34th in the country. Oh wow! Uh, okay. Yeah, so. I, I'm not knocking recruiting. I'm just wondering if there is going to be any kind of philosophical change yeah. uh, down the line, or if, there, or if this is what to expect.
2: Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's an interesting discussion too. In the in the true point guards and everything. Yeah. That, that I I almost very, would very want, want that more yeah. than the big man. Yeah.
3: Like I feel like sometimes like in, in college basketball, it's all about the guards. If you could just have some guy settle you down when mm-hmm. like a West Virginia is making that run or whatever, yeah. and get all your guys in the right place. Or just break, be able to consistently break somebody down off the dribble and create for everybody. That's yeah. I just feel like Tech misses that sometimes.
2: All right, well, that's our recruiting update for today's show and still more basketball to come here. Uh, you know, I have the loss versus West Virginia. It was uh, crazy with the, the fouls called in that game. I mean, there's a lot to a lot to break down on that one, so uh, we'll do that. Sorry, Pete, I didn't mean to screw up the the entire show with what I just did there, so please, uh, please forgive me. I didn't make, mean to make you look bad, a customer mm-hmm. professional such as yourself. Um. Yeah. It was. It's okay. I got You know control what? Now.
0: I'm gonna write you up.
2: It's going in the <laughs> folder. I'm publicly reprimanding you.
5: It's going into his permanent record. Oh man. Do no, you guys uh, have
0: those here? Yeah.
2: We're. Uh, no. It's. Uh, yeah. I. I don't normally <laughs> run this show. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I have my day job show that I run, but not this one. So uh, yeah, I just let something happen there. Anyway, um, where were we? So it was a tough loss for. Are uh, you playing the? With- Song song again? I no, I oh, oh, no, wow. <laughs> wow, you. didn't
0: you told me. Yeah,
2: right. that was that was one of my you know, I didn't even get written up for that, by the wow. way. So yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. The powers
3: of uh, B must be fans of the Yeah,
2: everybody who works here wears thongs, you know. It's uh it's kind of our thing, you know. So. They thought it was the beat. Oh boy. Yeah, that's right down the hall <laughs> there. Uh, all right. Uh anyway, but uh Texas Tech lost to West Virginia. Uh man, as a game you've boy you love to win, uh, win at home, but man, there was all kinds of stuff in that game. That I mean, the fouls first of all, and I'm not—I never want to be the guy that's blaming the officiating on losses and stuff. I mean, Tech had plenty of opportunities to, you know, make more free throws. To I mean, you know, he's missed a lot of shots. I mean, there's there's a lot of things Tech could have done to win that game. But what I hate is when you watch a game and you feel like the officiating becomes these. Sometimes these guys inject themselves into the outcome of the game so much. That it's it's just annoying. It's distracting. I mean, there was like a foul. I think it was like every forty eight seconds. Every or forty eight I mean, seconds. It's just, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, I get it's physical play between you know, when Tech and West Virginia play. There's always physical play, but that that was just I thought it was ridiculous.
3: And this was not a r- very physical game for this matchup. For yeah, and it's th- been bloodbath in, in yeah. You know, and this isn't Press Virginia where they're pressing you, and you can see where there'd be a lot of. Uh, fouls. It was a terribly officiated game. Not saying that that's why West Virginia win. I agree right. with you 100%. But just for the sake of watchability, you ruined the game between two very good teams. Thanks right. a lot, Refs.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. They, they inject them. So when you start noticing the officials, that's when I think they're out of control. Absolutely. You know, a good, good officials. It, it just, you know, you just almost don't even notice it because it's just kind of part of the game. But man, it was just so much that you're right. It's frustrating to watch it.
0: Wow, and that led to the Mount Vesuvius blow up of, <laughs> of, uh, of Chris Beard there at 24 seconds left. And I mean, they were, they were down six at the time. And, uh, you know, uh, they thought the the West Virginia player had called timeout and then they called a foul and that, you know, led to free throws and then of course the technicals and you know it ended up an eleven point loss and then of course afterwards Chris Beard was
1: asked uh about, you know, what was that all about? there was no message there. I just thought that um you know, still Tom from a coaching standpoint you gotta you know, fight for your players. And um obviously college basketball, you guys know the drill. Um you know Big 12 policy and all that, but uh, you know, I would just say that um, from my point of view, uh, the West Virginia player was calling for a timeout on the floor. Um, I could see it and hear it where I was standing. Um, it's still a two possession game at that point. Um, you know, if if that call is made, then we've got a chance to set up our press and you know still have a chance to play the game. Um, that call sent a 90% free throw shooter to the line. And it's going to separate the game to a three-possession game. So um, you guys know me. I've been in this league five years. I don't think I've ever gotten a technical. At uh, Little Rock, I think we got one. Uh, that's not my deal. Um, I know what bad officiating looks like. I've coached at all different levels. These guys are the best of the best. Uh, these three guys out there tonight, not only do I like, I respect and trust them. Um, but just in college basketball, sometimes you got to fight for your players. Uh, and, I, and that was my decision uh, tonight to do that. Yeah.
2: And, uh, in fight, he did. I mean, he was, uh, pretty impassioned there, which, by the way, just as, as impassioned as Beard is in the course of a game, it really is pretty remarkable for as intense as he is that he, he doesn't get more technicals, you know, just because he's
6: just so. Those are the first just, ones. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah.
2: That, that is, that is a little surprising. I hadn't really stopped to think about that until he said that. But, uh, you know, even, uh, was it friend Frischilla? I think he'd even commented about how you know officials, you know, coaches have bad games, players have some bad games, even officials have bad games. Nice way of saying that, yeah, those guys were just uh, it. It probably wasn't their best night, uh, best night either. But what do you think? When I remember when I'm watching that the game and and Beard goes to the floor, right. my first thought was, oh man, his knee buckled. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was just I thought I thought he was injured at first, you know, and then I was like, oh okay, I, I know what he's doing.
0: Well, and then you saw. He, he was cognizant of everything he was doing because he goes over and gives a fist bump to Huggins. And then in the post-game press conference, he talked about the guys, these referees, the officials were the best of the best. Uh, I trust them. I mean, he said all the right things, but, you know, that's like saying, uh, you know, thank you. He's a good and,
3: guy. He, he's, he's a, good, he's a yeah. terrible coach. <laughs> right, yeah.
0: exactly. But, uh, you know, they even asked uh, Coach Huggins afterwards his thoughts about getting the fist bump during that uh, –
2: high uh, anxiety situation. Right, and, and by the way, before I play that, it's just if you didn't see the game or something and you didn't see what happened there, I mean, it was crazy that, you know, Beard is in the middle of this huge tirade. He's going to the floor, demonstrating the timeout thing. He's running all over the place, yelling at the officials, and in the midst of it, he, he goes over and fist bumps hugs. In the midst of all of that craziness, it was really funny.
1: Listen, I, I've got great respect for Chris. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's 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 all I need to, to, to really say. I think I, I have a great respect for him, the job that he's done here, uh, how hard his kids play, how much his kids care about him. And that's to me, that's what's important. All right, there you go, Bob you know, I think Huggins.
3: the fact that he took about ten steps over during this tirade to to give Coach Huggins a fist bump, and in fact, he didn't even have a technical, I believe, in the previous previous time at Tech. Uh, it just shows how calculated Chris Beard is. And that's, this is just one little aspect of, of how calculated he is. Everything he does ha- has a has a purpose, whether it be in the press conference, yeah. obviously all those practices, how big his staff is, the way he recruits, which we just talked about right. in the previous segment. Everything has is part of a larger plan, and it's calculated. So you think
2: that so him getting the technical and that whole thing was less about an emotional, yes. in-the-moment outburst, I, and it was more of a, I'm getting the attention of my players, I think it was gonna to show think it, them that,
3: what can I get out of this? He's yeah. always about, like, what can I, what's the most I can get out of this moment or this right. time? Game was over. As soon as they call that foul, he knew it. For all intents and purposes, the game was over. So, what can I get out of it? Well, I can let these players know I have their backs and mm-hmm. I can tell the Big 12, your refs were garbage this, <laughs> today, tonight. Yeah. You know, then he goes back and, you know, and he compliments them and all that stuff. <laughs> right. But the point's already been made to his right. players and the country. I mean, he was on the national stage. Yeah. So. That's interesting. I, I did not really thought about it like that, but that's that's really good, man. I immediately yeah. thought of that just because we've covered Coach Beard for so yeah, long. You know what right. I mean? Like, that's how he thinks, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Right. right. Kirby
0: Hocutt sent a letter to the Big 12 saying we didn't feel like there was a violation. Yeah. and that uh you know he had never had a technical before he complimented the referees so we don't feel like we violated the but you know it's all it was is a public reprimand so let's move on
2: they got back to back games with with TCU next week yeah and what what are your thoughts on that i, mean, I know it's because of the covid situation they had to, they have to get these two well, games in in that manner but playing playing them uh you know two in a row <laughs> with like one night separation what what if anything does that uh, mean for that those well, two games? Well, first,
0: I, I want to know is Baylor going to play any games because they were supposed to play them Saturday and uh, uh, that they're got dodging. Postponed. They're dodging.
2: They're dodging any of their tough games now. I think because I, I think they they want to remain a number one seed, and so I think they're they're just. I I, I don't trust anything Baylor does. I yeah. really don't. I think they yeah. get away with everything. They do stuff and somehow. They just seem to just skate uh, skate along doing this kind of They're stuff. weird up. That's yeah. Great. I mean, it's crazy, you know. So yeah, Baylor. Don't even waste my time with that.
3: Well, uh, at what? first, when you say that, I'm like, this sounds like he's wearing a tinfoil hat. But then, when you consider again, it's Baylor. Right? Anything is possible. Yeah. Okay. I mean,
2: they've gotten away with so much stuff, and yeah, yeah. and every time they have a tough game coming up, it seems like they they've managed to figure out a way to. Oh well, you know, it's a COVID situation. Yeah. Well, you know what? Everybody's dealing with it. And most teams seem to be doing a much better job than Baylor is, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that.
3: You know, my, my overall thought of you uh, – sorry, Pete. We're, we're sharing a mic here today. And uh, it's – if you if you know both Pete and myself, we're at a different height. So, I'm like, I'm going to have to go see the chiropractor after this. Yeah, am, uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm efforting here, you know. Uh, but, look. TCU, Tech is a better team than them right now. Um, TCU either looks terrible or you're like they kind of surprise you with a, a good performance against a quality team. Tech should, in my opinion, sweep these two games, despite it being an in-state, in-conference rival, back-to-back, which is a tough situation. I think this is a really good measuring stick to see just how, how good is this team. Because I think mm-hmm. that's the real question among the Texas Tech fan base. I know right. I get it all the time. Where it seems like a lot of fans are kind of down on the program right now, and I have kind of the opposite feeling. I feel like it's a pretty good team, better even than maybe I was expecting. And I feel like if Tech can handle their business uh, with these two, with two wins against TCU, then it, then it's on.
2: Yeah, and to play two games, you know, think of it like baseball, you know, you have a series and things, but basketball, you know, yeah. in, in college basketball, you know, a series. That's almost what this is yeah. like, you know, is a two-game series. It's just going to be kind of interesting to watch. In you know, Fort watch Worth Monday like
0: and then that, home yeah, Wednesday, so. and
3: I think, isn't it 5 o'clock Wednesday? It's an yeah. er, isn't it an early game for weird. some reason. Yeah. yeah.
2: All
0: right.
3: Well. I think Tech not only beats them, I think they, they crush them in both games.
2: Yeah. Honest. All right. Well, let's, let's hope so. it would be nice. It'd, it'd be nice to have a Big 12 game that wasn't a nail-biter <laughs> just occasionally, you know? Right. <laughs> They're they all so em. brutal. All right. Coming up here next, uh, Pete's got a breakdown of the Lady Raiders. They've, uh, you know, it's been, uh, you know, there's been some really good stuff, some good signs this year that uh, Krista Gerlich has them, you know, just, she's going to have it turned around. I truly believe that. But uh, still some struggles as well. But uh, Pete will update us on what's going on with the Lady Raiders.
4: Lady Raider basketball. All right, Pete, fill us in. Yeah, you know the Lady Raiders uh,
0: were nine and nine uh, last week's show, and and today they sit nine and eleven. A couple t- tough games against two of the best teams in the Big Twelve. They went on the road last Saturday to Iowa State and lost ninety two seventy three. I mean Iowa State has been hitting lights out, and then then they play number seven Baylor at home. And uh, you know Tech scored the first hoop of the game. I think it was Maka Jackson got a layup, and then they're up three two. And then all of a sudden, Baylor, uh, just you know, one of the elite teams, probably a Final Four team, they go on a 16-0 run, and it is nineteen to three after the first quarter. And so you're having to play catch up the whole time, and the, and the lead would balloon up to to forty one at one point, Jeez. but. uh You know, the the question was posed to uh, Coach uh, Krista Gerlich about the inability to attack against Baylor in that first quarter when they only scored three points.
4: Yeah, well, we just didn't attack from the get-go. You know, I felt like part of our game plan was to come in and, and kind of get a little bit of time off the clock each possession, but then it was to attack once we got into it, and... Um, I just felt like we were on our heels. Um, you know, I don't know if that kind of delayed us a little bit in, instead of us being the aggressors. Um, and so, therefore, you know, we weren't in a great rhythm. I thought we defended pretty well um, and, and rebounded pretty well in the first four or five minutes. And then, of course, it, it got away from us, so particularly when they hit the three at the end of the first quarter to to extend it. Um, you know, that, that's a big difference. There's a big difference in um, a, a twelve point game and a fifteen point game or, or a, even a nine point game, right? If we if we just do a couple of little things differently. But um, it really was just to for them to attack. Like we we could not be hesitant against them at all and, and unfortunately we were.
0: So uh, Baylor ended up winning 82-50, and a a real telling stat for Baylor, they shot 36 of 70, meaning they made 36 shots, they missed 34, so that's over 50%. Baylor is 241-1 and when they shoot over 50% in a game. Wow. Okay. And that tells you they do it a lot. Yeah, no 242 kidding. times. So, uh, you know, a tough loss for the Lady Raiders. But again, that's one of the best teams. And, and uh, you know, now they got Oklahoma State at home. Uh, that game is 3 o'clock on Saturday. And uh, it's the play for K Pink game, by the way. Always a, a good game for a good cause. And, uh, you know, how do you build after this Baylor game? Uh, here's Krista Gerlich.
4: Well, we talk all the time about you know this year, this this whole year is a process for us, and um, we really can't give up and wave the white flag no matter what the score is. I mean, we have to continue to try to get better. And I thought Deja Powell did a really good job of continuing to play and get take advantage of some minutes. You know, she had an opportunity to be in there late, and uh, and she did some good things. I thought that we did some better things um, in our in our point zone defense that um we did not do early in the game um i thought we executed a little bit better offensively so it's about just nose to the grind and never giving up and never surrendering and and i think that our kids have done a good job of that all year and i'm really proud of them and i'm disappointed in the outcome i'm disappointed that we didn't give baylor a better game and that we didn't compete better on the scoreboard but I also know that these girls are giving me everything that they have, and uh, and they're trying really, really hard to um, just buy in and to to represent Texas Tech the best that they can in, in a really difficult situation. I think. Well, in the
0: next three games, I mean, you got Oklahoma State, who beat you pretty good at home. But you know, and now you have them at home. Maybe you can put something together there. Then you go to Oklahoma, a team that beat you by one at home. You should have won that one. And then you got Kansas at home and then Kansas State. So here come some games that we can really see uh, hopefully some progress from the Lady Raiders, hopefully get some wins too. And, uh, you know, again, I say it every week, Rome wasn't built in a day. And you just said earlier that, you know, Gerlich's right. There's no doubt she's the right person for the job. And,
2: um, you know, it, it's going to happen. It's just going to take some time. All right, thank you, Pete. Texas Tech football, coming up next, uh, the schedule, uh, the entire schedule for this upcoming season uh, was released this week, so we'll go over that. And uh, I'll be interested to see what you guys think, uh, as of the way things stand right now, you know, with the questions of quarterback and, you know, whatnot, uh, what you think the record is as of today predicting the record for tech in this upcoming season but we'll look at the schedule and do that uh, plus uh, go over the list of guys that uh, from tech that have been invited to the NFL combine so that is next
4: Texas Tech football
2: all right the uh, schedule was released this week and uh, you know it's a, it's nice it's a 12game schedule they're planning on uh, playing a, a full a full season which is nice hopefully they can get that in by uh, by the fall hopefully we're you know, even in better position than uh, maybe we are now. But uh, Texas Tech's going to open up Saturday, September fourth, against Houston at Energy Stadium. Um, what do you guys think about that game? Is that is that a, a game Tech wins or not? I've got I I don't think they win that game. Well, I
0: mean, you, we got to see who the quarterback's going to be, right? But that's that's a huge game. You don't want to start zero and one. I mean, that's a pivotal game right off the bat.
3: Absolutely, you're going to see a lot of guy familiar faces too. Uh, Tajon Henry. Running back for them, obviously, Keyshawn Carter transferred there. So, um, I think also at least one DB transferred there. So, I mean, a lot of guys you know, they're more than just from, uh, you know, Tech players playing against them in high school and all that. Um, I I think it's a coin toss right now because of the quarterback situation. I think Tech should win that game. They've been a dumpster fire. Dana has not had a lot of success there uh, so far. Um, They've had a lot of drama. But uh, if – if Ted can figure out something with quarterback and I mean early, which I don't I'm not all that hopeful for. Right. Are you? Right, I mean, yeah. you know, so I know that nationally people are pushing for Barron. Like people think Barron's gonna start. I'm not so sure. Right. You know, I think he could, absolutely, but that's a pretty big leap, right, Pete? From three. I, yeah, power, I mean, I would think right
0: now if I would to guess, I would say Columbia's the guy at the beginning. I mean, but you know more
3: experience, right? Says, but I mean, yeah. you know
0: that's why you got spring ball and stuff. I mean, somebody's going to have to step up. I mean, Donovan's or uh, or well, Maverick, is he?
3: Is he
2: even in the picture? <laughs> is he? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, that's the greatest mystery of all, right there. But yeah, that's what's interesting. is Look at the schedule and and try to you know imagine what you know how Tech can do in this upcoming season. Just based on what we know today, and it is weird because. You know, without and hopefully we see spring ball. I mean, hopefully they're able to have that. Right. Hopefully somebody emerges at quarterback. But that that is there's so many unknowns just with that. That's a that could be the difference in in you know a couple of victories or something, and you know winning six or seven games as opposed to three or four. I saw
0: somebody say nine and three. I don't Ah. see it. I I I saw it on on Twitter. Somebody (laughs) said that. But I mean, six home games. I'm. I'm not sure which game I'm the most excited about. I mean there's Yeah, this is the Which golf one is it on schedule for no, sure? No, I, I mean I guess Oklahoma State or TCU, but I mean the non-conference games um,
2: you know, I'd, I'd probably rather mow the grass. Yeah, so you got uh, Stephen F Austin on September 11th here. We've got uh, the following weekend uh, Florida International and then Big 12 play starts on September 25th at Texas um then uh, the next weekend you're uh, let's see you're at West Virginia, yep. and then you've got uh, TCU in Lubbock. Then you're on the road at Kansas. Back at home uh, against Kansas State. Then you're at OU. You got
3: a bye, November sixth. Your first buy November.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah so wow, it. man, that's uh,
3: yeah nine that's, straight weeks. That's a grind. Y'all get ready yeah. for that grind, everybody. Yeah,
2: yeah. but you'll uh, then on November thirteenth, you're back. Uh, you're playing Iowa State here in Lubbock, and uh, Oklahoma State on the twentieth, and then you wrap up uh, the the regular season there at Baylor on November twenty seventh, and then you know you'd like to think hopefully there's a bowl game there, but yeah. somewhere. But who knows?
3: A couple of notes on the schedule to me that stood out: the nine straight games to open the season without a bye. That's crazy. Oklahoma, I believe, actually has that same. Uh, setup. So, but I wonder who has more depth to survive that kind of grind. Right, you know? Yeah. The nine straight <laughs> games. That's a long time without well, a bye is, to man. you know to get healed up and all that.
0: And there are three this year, weren't they? Something like. Well, Something like, there was two it,
3: less games, yeah. so it was this year is hard to really reference. I mean, you're right, but it's hard to yeah. kind of reference. It's, it was such a strange year. Even to speak to that, you mentioned the non-conference, Pete. This is the first year, other than last year, which was shortened because of COVID. That Tech isn't playing a non conference Power Five team since 2013. Mm-hmm. That was the last time you won a bowl game. That was the last time you won eight games uh, in a season. So maybe that all can tie in together, you know? I don't yeah. know. And then also, you don't have back to back home games in conference until November, until you host Iowa State and Oklahoma State uh, no, uh, November 13th and November 20th. You have back to back home games in non conference. But then, man, you start off two road games at Texas, at uh, West Virginia, which, man, Morgantown is not a friendly place to go play right. if they are able to have all the fans there, you know, if they're able to open things up. And that's up. a
0: big question, you know, are we going to be Huge. 50%? Are we going right. to be full? It would be great to be full.
3: A lot of people I've talked to, they feel like there's going to be some kind of return to normalcy, whatever that is, in terms right. of more in-person things. I, I hope... I even, I've requested with Texas Tech, like, man, I'll wear a hazmat suit and just give me my own section. <laughs> so your double mask? So I can, yes, <laughs> I'll wear a hazmat suit if I have to go rent one, if I can get some access to spring ball this year, you know, like I oh, really, yeah. I need it, I need it, yeah. you know, so Practice in the Jones. Give all of us, you know, the main media. They folks. Have to
0: put us all in those little bubbles. Right in our own section, around
3: yes. or around, or yeah. you know, even in the stands. I don't care. I'll get some, no- get some knocks. At right. least get some kind of idea of what's going on because right. we haven't right. had any access, and I feel naked talking well, about uh, these guys down the depth chart that we're not seeing in the games, and we're obviously not seeing in practice. Here. Well,
2: see, and and to me, there's no reason that you couldn't set. You take. You know, what do you got? How many guys are going to go cover that anyway? 20 or something maybe? Not even. Not even that. So, you know, set them up on the top row up there, all spread out, one to a section. There's absolutely no reason you can't do something
3: that. Here's the only counter to that, which just intellectually I, I understand is that why even introduce that risk when we have so much on the line?
2: I understand. I understand. Yeah, but why introduce the risk of anybody ever leaving their house ever again in history? I mean, that I yeah, agree I with you. I'm playing Daniel. devil's I advocate. Know, but what I'm saying is, we've already Jeff's, lived through Jeff's this for I so much. Jeff's ready to I, fight. Say, I said I'm the wrong just, thing. You're you're ready not, to but, fight you. but this is this. This is what I get. It's <laughs> the illogical nature of so much of all of this we have dealt with, and I'm just like I'm. I'm just over it. You know, I'm just over. It. And so stuff like that. What risk could there possibly be? having 20 guys covering the game from the top row of the Jones all spread out by, you know, fifty
3: feet. Not a game. We're talking are, about practice. Yeah.
2: we yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> practice. Yes. Right. So, you no, got it. Saying, no <laughs> I'm defending you. You're, you're the one right. not I'm a game. Cover, no, no. You know? I, I, I so, I'm, yeah. I'm
3: just talking smack, right? <laughs> right? All the radio. But no, that's what I'm pushing for is like, hey, come on. Give yeah. us your own section. I'll wear a hazmat suit with some knocking. Yeah, in, what, knocking. what if
0: But what if Baron Morton is leaving practice and he sees you and he comes over and says, hey, man, Jared, how are you doing? I can't run very fast, but I'll just run away. Then we find out you have COVID and you gave it to him. And so, you know, deny, deny, deny.
2: (laughs) That's (laughs) probably what they're thinking. Which is illogical and stupid, okay. but uh, but yeah, I guess we ought to cancel the season. You're right, Pete. You bring up a good point. So yeah, <laughs> i there's a
3: big table between us. Oh I feel God. like just about to climb over. Oh <laughs> man,
2: no, I just this this I get fired about that. Um, I know. Our, yeah, you might not have noticed that, but uh, yeah, no, I just man, let's it's it's frustrating though too not to not to know anything. Not I, that, I think there's no information. You don't know what the team is going to look. Like, Texas Tech's you know?
3: actually done a good job navigating it. I, they're, they've allowed more. More fans at basketball games mm-hmm. than anybody else in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Um they got you now. I know you know they they ran through the team. Even Coach Wells missed the last game, but they got through their whole schedule. You have somebody like Baylor, who seems to miss more games than they play in every sport. You know, I mean, so I feel like honestly, I'm not just kissing butt here. I feel like Tech's done a pretty good job considering uh, everything going on. With yeah, COVID.
2: while I'm frustrated about the the whole all yeah. this stuff, I agree with you. Yeah. They have done compared to. Teams around the country—they want to open it up too. I guarantee job, you. you know? I haven't
3: talked to anybody who's like, "Oh, let's close it down." And right. They want it open too. Yeah.
2: Well, I hope so. But uh, no, the whole thing is frustrating, man. It's just let's 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 get on with it. Uh, all right. So real quick here, uh, and we'll move on to our Rockin' Twenty Five College Basketball Poll Unveiling for the week. But uh, as far as guys uh, from Tech, that were invited to the NFL Combine. Jack Anderson, Zach McPherson, and TJ Vasher. Of those guys, who has the the? I know who you are going to say, but I think who who has the best chance of of really uh getting on with an NFL team in something other than, you know, not talking about a scout team. Who has the best chance, do you think?
3: To me it's either uh Jack or, or Zach. I yeah. don't see TJ.
2: I don't think he has the work ethic necessary. He's just
0: too we'll
3: inconsistent. See. All right. those guys are beast studs at that level. You know mm-hmm. they're all were talented.
0: And you said Jack did good at that bowl game. He did do good.
3: Now. You know, actually all three of them did. They had yeah. three different uh, mm-hmm. Events and they all did well. McPherson, uh, I, he may be the least talented of the three of them, but he's the on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of uh, uh, not work ethic, but saying uh, maturity. Maturity yeah. is the and best. Commitment way to, say. to and his commitment, craft, yes, maybe, yeah, yep.
2: yeah. And see, that's the thing with Vasher—the talent he is blessed with. Yeah. If he can find the commitment to his craft oh, and, yeah. and, and the, the consistency I mean, thing, yeah, he really could. He's it's, a good uh, kid. He's just, yeah.
3: a, you know, he's just. He needs to grow up. Yeah. You know, this you keep hearing, you've been saying that for five years. Right. You know, Kingsbury is the first one I heard say it. And, uh, it's still true today. Yeah,
2: well, maybe we'll we'll see. That's uh, but they they did get invited to the NFL Combine, so that's cool. Um, coming up next, yeah, the Rockin' Twenty Five college basketball poll for this week. Our rocketologist Eric Hasselman, Michael Hunter, uh, joining us on the show, and uh, we'll uh, see where Tech lands on this week's Rockin' Twenty Five and all the other teams as well.
4: It's time to reveal the Rockin' Twenty Five.
2: All right, here we go. This uh, this week, our uh, Rockin' 25 voters, analytics consultant from Haslametrics.com, Eric Haslam, and owner, editor, and founder of the ACC Basketball Report and podcast, Michael Hunter. And for this week, the owner and bracketologist for Bracketeer.org, Rocco Miller. So how do you guys see the selection room this year when you have teams playing uneven schedules, you got teams canceling games, Baylor, and Madness... Before the madness.
6: Thanks Jeff. Appreciate you having me on as someone who studies this religiously, you know, I would say the room and the process is unchanged. Now at the end of the day, their job is to be tasked with voting on the team they feel is strongest for selection. Once those 68 teams are established and the seating part of the process begins. I think that's where this gets really interesting because it is very difficult to look at a team like an Oregon who may have only played the minimum games, which uh, they're saying this year is 13 versus a team with a full complement of games. It is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out from a seeding process, but I think the rest of the the process will be unchanged. In my personal opinion, I would favor teams with quality wins already in the bank versus a team that has great metrics but hasn't really put the proof in the pudding on the resume. So that would be my preference in those uh, comparisons.
7: You know, I've often pondered this on ACCBR, even asked some of my experts that I've had on, you know, what their thoughts were in regards to a lot of this. My response and the response I've received are basically. That little blonde girl on, on the gif saying that I don't know with her hands in the air. You know, in this case, the madness is always fun, but all out chaos could very easily lead to the NCAA waving the white flag after the first weekend all hell breaks loose. One thing that we've kind of worked out is that, especially on our poll, is that the net and the computer rankings don't really deviate a whole lot from what our voters are putting in the poll. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of us are using the net to rank. I'll admit that I don't. But based on watching the games, using metrics to certainly wager on games, the eye test and the resume test seem to kind of agree this year, which is which is kind of a nice surprise and something that I've kind of been tracking this year as I've often wondered how you compare teams that may end up only playing 15 games in evaluating those guys against teams that may play 20 or 21 games. So for right now I think the net seems to be working, the computer ranking seems to be working and for the most part I agree with where some teams sit. Yeah, I think the
5: committee is just going to evaluate the games that are that are there available to them. I know that you've got like a conference like the Big South that has made the decision to determine its Automatic qualifier based on the number of games played. So you have certain teams out there in the NCAA this year, like St. Louis has only played 12 games. Michigan has played 14, St. Bonaventure 12, Florida State 13. I don't know if that will factor in. My guess is it won't. They laid out the guidelines early on that said he needed to have 13. And I think as long as these teams have 13, the committee is just going to evaluate the games that they have in hand.
0: So let's release the Rockin' 25. Gonzaga has 13 first-place votes. They secure number one. Baylor has four first-place votes. They're number two. Michigan jumps up to three. Ohio State leaps to four. Villanova falls to five. The back half of the Big Ten schedule looms for Michigan and Ohio State. Ohio State has three tests with top 15 teams. All at home at Columbus, Michigan has four tests with top 25 teams, but just two at home. Which of these teams will find their way to a number one seed and which will be left out in the cold?
7: You know, Pete, right now I have to say that Villanova is on the two line behind Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Ohio State for the simple reason which Rocco and Eric alluded to is you can't really look ahead in a season like this as far as down the line as who they've played Right now, it's simply due to a lack of quad one wins with the Wildcats, who have only won two games against quad one teams, while Michigan has three. And Ohio State actually has an almost ridiculous amount of eight. They're eight and three against quad one teams right now. I think they're right now safely on the one line. Rocco and Eric may disagree. You know, could this change? Of course, but can we actually count on games that are going to be played down the line? Absolutely not. Right now, the Big Ten is obviously stronger than the Big East. Taylor keeps beating good teams, and Gonzaga's probably going to go unbeaten on the season. So right now, I would have to say that Villanova is the odd man out as far as the one line goes.
5: I think that Villanova, uh, off the cuff, seems like the team that is the odd one out. Ohio State, it is interesting. Ohio State with eight quad one victories, and you look at what Michigan, they're three and one. Villanova's two and two, so Ohio State actually has as many quad one victories as the other two teams have (laughs) games combined. The thing about Michigan is going to be interesting what happens when they come off the pause here this weekend, they had a lot of momentum coming in. They're actually number two in momentum at my site, at dot So that means they were playing above themselves before this stoppage happened. Could be very interesting. A lot of teams come in hot off of the COVID pause, but not everybody. So it's going to be interesting to see what what happens to Michigan here. And they're going to we're going to find out pretty quickly
6: with a game on uh, on Sunday at Wisconsin. I have to agree with the two of you on which team would potentially be left in the cold. Uh, Villanova would be that team I think in general uh, you know as you mentioned they they didn't have the amount of games yet so they don't have as much in the tank as far as resume but also I think you got to look at what's happened on the court you know they recently had a close call just a two-point win over Seton Hall they also uh, got beat by 11 at St. John's and showed some real weaknesses in that game if you look at the data a little closer you'll see that the Wildcats are ranked right now 60th in adjusted defensive efficiency and again they have a great team. They'll probably be a top two or three seed. But out of these five teams, they, they definitely are leaking the most oil and have the biggest red flags. Uh, as far as the team that has really no chance of losing their one seed status, it's got to be Gonzaga. You look at a team that has all their big tests out of the way unless they get an ad hoc game, which is now pretty unlikely. And so uh, they're they're in cruise control, I think, the next few weeks of the WCC. And even if they were to lose in the WCC title game, they're not they're not going to leave the number one seed line.
3: Number six through 10 of the Rockin' 25 starts with Illinois. Houston falls to seven after their loss. Alabama slips to eight. West Virginia continues the rocket ride to number nine. And cross-state Virginia is number 10. Give us the reasons each of these teams will make a deep run in the NCAAs.
5: Well, for four of the five teams, it's going to be defensive efficiency is going to be a big part of it. They're uh, looking at the rankings at Haslametrics.com for the teams have a defensive efficiency ranking anywhere between 4th and 19th in the country right now. Virginia, believe it or not, is 4th of uh, the top four. The one that stands out there is West Virginia. West Virginia is only 63rd in defensive efficiency. The thing that West Virginia has is they have a great group of ballers. I mean, I'm coming around a little bit on West Virginia. We talked about that last week. They have Culver. They have uh, McBride. They have Sherman. They have McNeil. They have a lot of different weapons there. I love that. All those, those four guys all average over 11 points a game. I'm going to lean. I think the best team of that group is still Illinois because that's a team that top to bottom, 15th in offensive efficiency, 8th in defensive efficiency, and they have that pair of alphas, Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn, uh, combined for 38 points a game and 17 rebounds a game. All of those teams can be dangerous, but I like the fact that the total package that Illinois has Um, They have the defensive ability. They have the offensive ability and they have the alphas.
6: I'm just going to quickly run through each of the five and give you a reason why each could make a deep run. I think Illinois, a powerhouse rotation uh, with just the tremendous guard and uh, big man duo there, but they're also really highly efficient on both ends of the floor. It's a unique combination. Most of the teams, even in the top 15 are extreme maybe on one end or the other, but this is a team that's solid across the board and that bodes well for the future and all the predictives. Houston, It's a team that plays with tremendous tenacity. All five men on the court are extremely active defensively and on the glass. They're a highly confident club. And they're a team, I think, that still feels a little gypped from all the success they've had, but they just haven't got past, you know, the Sweet 16 of the uh, tournament. So they they are poised to make a big run this year. Alabama, highly eff- efficient defense themselves. If for the pace they prefer to play, you know, when you look at those adjusted t- tempo numbers, shooters are all over the floor between Petty, Shackelford, Reese, and Primo. They're anchored by a prolific player in Herb Jones and an excellent coach in Nate Oates who's hungry to get to the second weekend and beyond of the NCAAs, which you couldn't do at Buffalo. West Virginia, they're completely recovered and recalibrated from the loss of Oscar Shibwe. Uh, Derek Culver has become the main man now, and he is certainly a force. They play tough and physical and capable of making a deep run, as Red Raiders fans well know. Virginia, uh, the last team here in the top ten, coaching, experience. You look at Jay Huff and Kihei Clark specifically, have both already won national championships. They are the pillars to this next Big run that they're trying to make in March, basically improving on this pack line formula with the new pieces they have, and you have to think they have the ability to make another deep run.
7: I personally disagree on both West Virginia and Virginia. Sean McNeil has played out of his mind lately, which has led to this ascension. That said, to answer the question as far as a reason why each of these teams could make a deep run, I think the short, the shortest answer I can give is coaching. Look at the guys in there, Underwood, Sampson, Oates, Huggy Bear, and Bennett. There's three Hall of Fame guys on that list. Nate Oates is absolutely one of the up-and-comers in the entire nation. And Underwood, you know, has one of the most dominant guards in the nation, along with one of the most intimidating specimens at the center position that I've seen in a long time. Coaching, guard play, and toughness are all words that I would associate with all five of these teams. Alabama has shown some, some weaknesses in the armor lately, But I love Herb Jones. I love John Petty Jr. When Alabama's right, they can play with anybody in the country. Illinois has proven lately that they can play with anybody in the country. And Calvin Sampson just seems to get it done at Houston. But if you're asking me why all these teams can make a run, I would say it's coaching. I would say it's guard play. I'd say it's toughness.
2: All right. We are making our way through the latest Rockin' 25 college basketball poll on the Rockin' pregame with our Rockin' 25 voters, Eric Haslam, Michael Hutter, and Rocco Miller. So Missouri vaults to eleven this week. Texas Tech slips after the loss to West Virginia to number twelve. Texas not back. They fall to thirteen. Oklahoma is fourteen. And Florida State is number fifteen. So guys, which uh, with four teams in the top fourteen of the rockin' twenty five, is the Big Twelve the conference to watch in March?
7: For the record Texas is still back I think Texas is We give Texas a lot of grief on this show And on every other show really But I think Texas is absolutely back And as far as the Big 12 goes I absolutely trust the Big 12 teams More than the Big 10 teams right now And certainly more than the SEC or ACC At this point You're talking about Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech And West Virginia Which I know I just kind of ran into the ground But when you're comparing West Virginia to Big 10 teams I'm going to lean towards West Virginia each time they are capable of having Final Four runs. I'm just not a firm believer in putting any kind of money or a bracket wager behind those teams. Let me hit you with this. There's also a team in the Big 12 that's 7-7 seven and seven against Quad 1 and 2 teams and has not lost to a team outside of the Ken Palm Top 40 all season. That team is Kansas. They have no bad losses. They just aren't dominating as in the seasons past. Jalen Wilson may have fallen off a little bit as the Jayhawk season has progressed, but David McCormick has found himself in the past four contests as playing like a Greek god. If this team can fire on all cylinders, meaning if McCormick and Wilson can coexist and both be effective in the same game, Kansas can absolutely be a fifth team and a dark horse in the NCAA tournament. I think that uh, the Big 12 is the team that, or the conference
5: to watch. When you rank the conferences, as I've done in the last few weeks, the Big 12 actually comes in fifth. Out of all the major conferences but the problem with that is that kansas state and iowa state really dragged this conference down right now iowa state's 178th kansas state is 199th so what i did is i ran the numbers today looked at the top six teams in the conference and then ranked the conferences and all of a sudden that brings the big 12 easily into second place and when you look at the say the top seven teams which is what we have right now in our bracketology seven big 12 teams in the field all seven of them can do damage in this tournament. That even includes the lowest team, which is Oklahoma State. I'm not so sure I can say
7: the same thing for the Big Ten. So I think the Big 12 is the conference to watch. Iowa State is surprisingly good against the spread this season as well. Iowa State is? Yes, sir. Well, Going Kansas. into the game against Kansas, they were 6-8 and eight against the spread, but just 2-12 and 12 on the season. My guess is Kansas State is not. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Iowa State is better against the spread than Michigan State and Duke on the season. Michigan State is underperforming the spread by almost seven points per game. On the and that's because everybody expected Iowa State to suck.
6: Sure. That's true. <laughs> Eric, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the top seven here. That's exactly the reason why if you are a fan of heavyweight basketball and top 25 basketball, Big 12 is unquestionably your, your cup of tea for out of all conferences because uh, in my recent ballot, I had those seven teams uh, in the top 22, I had Oklahoma State at 22. I know Oklahoma State didn't make our final cut as a, as a group, but um, that just goes to show, I think, how, how worthy these teams are and how they're performing, even in their small examples where they played out of conference. We saw West Virginia completely dominate the uh, crossover classic. Texas won the Maui. So there's a lot of great examples of this with the small sample size we get to work with. I mean, if you think about the Big 12 tournament, almost every single game in that tournament, except maybe the 8-9 game, will feature a ranked team so just think about that for a second and just realize how quality the basketball will be depending on motivation of some of these teams that might already have a bid locked up uh now if you're looking for the best conference just to watch for pure drama i would point you in the direction of uh, either the mountain west or the missouri valley which the mountain west has four teams fighting for a bid and that's going to be very high drama tournament uh missouri valley we have two tournament caliber teams, and Arch Madness is by far one of the best conference tournaments year in and year out. And you can't count out the other eight because somebody's going to uh, wear the glass slipper.
0: Now we go to 16 through 20 in the Rockin' 25. Number 16 is Tennessee. Iowa falls to 17. USC and their Trojan Fury make their first appearance in the top 25 this year. At number 18, Creighton slips to 19. Virginia Tech is 20. Which of these teams should we not trust to make it past the first round?
6: All right, so this is going to be a little bit harsh, but I'm going to go with Iowa. Let's break it down into three parts. So first, they just got swept by Indiana. That's a pretty big warning sign. If Iowa was a powerhouse team that a lot of people predicted them to be at the start of the preseason, they'd be able to handle a middle of the Big Ten team like Indiana at least once. Uh, They got swept by them. That's a big warning sign. Second is well-documented, their defense. Very, very, very hard to trust. A team uh, with the number 120-ranked adjusted defense. And third. You know, I like Fran McCaffrey as a person. Nothing against him personally. But him as a head coach, this is season 23 coaching various programs. He's been to the NCAA tournament eight times. He has never made it past the first weekend. Another reason not to trust Iowa.
7: That's a fantastic stat by Rocco. I did not know that about Fran or Iowa. It's kind of a shock to me because I just touted Iowa on this very radio program not more than two weeks ago, and they've done nothing but disappoint ever since. I'm not ashamed to say that that when when answering the question, I'm going to say all of them except Tennessee. I don't know if I trust any of these teams outside of the Volunteers. My love for the Volunteers may be unjust, but Iowa doesn't play defense. USC relies upon a big-time freshman, which is, is never really conducive to, to deep tournament runs, in my experience. USC also really hasn't played anybody. I think their best win is BYU um, on a neutral court. They've beaten UCLA, they've, they've beaten Stanford on the road, but Stanford has been nicked up as Zaire Williams hasn't really played games, hasn't really been healthy in weeks. Creighton is a team that heavily relies on jump shots and wing scoring, which is something that I'm never putting faith into when it comes to when it comes to filling out my bracket. And Virginia Tech is a team that I like, but you can't lose to Pittsburgh. You can't squeak by Miami in overtime, especially when they lack Chris Likes. The Tyrese Radford situation is also a concern, even though Mike Young has kind of laid out a plan for him to be able to return. Right now, I think Tennessee's deep. I think they're talented. They have good bigs. They have good guards. They have great coaching. They play great defense. So right now... Of these five teams, I think that they are the only ones that I'm trusting to make it through the first weekend. You
5: know, I look at experience, and if you look at these five teams and you showed it to somebody before the season and say pick out the two teams that are kind of going to be the flies in the ointment, it's going to be USC and Virginia Tech. And sure enough, if you look at the average years of experience on both of those teams, it's 1.6, the lowest of the five. So I tend to think these upstart teams kind of flame out a little bit come in March. But I do want to agree with Rocco. It really is something. Iowa is, he he, he threw out a number of 120th in the country. Mine is 113th, so very similar. They were 72nd last year in defensive efficiency. And a lot of the concerns up front about Iowa was a lot of people arguing against putting Iowa, say, in the top five is sometimes you just are who you are. They were bringing back pretty much everybody from last year and at the end of last year they were kind of a fringe top 25 team and they're kind of proving themselves to be the same kind of thing this year. In fact, they're they're worse from a defensive efficiency standpoint. So I look at that and go, if you want to be a complete team, Iowa just isn't that right now. that that ranking of 113th in the country is a pretty damning piece of evidence against the Hawkeyes.
7: Eric, when when you're looking at that, how far have they fallen in the past three weeks? Because I want to say in the last three weeks, they've they've gone from from low 70s to where they currently sit. They have completely fallen off the map in in their most recent two weeks. I'm pulling this up right now, and I
5: can see that Iowa was pretty consistent in defensive efficiency. I mean, they got even in the top 50 uh, for much of January. Then all of a sudden you dropped it from about, I'd say about 35 to about 65 uh, at late in January. Then all of a sudden you plummeted all the way down. Past number one hundred at the start of February, so you're right. You were talking about a top fifty defense as recent as say January twentieth, and all of a sudden for them to drop basically a hundred spots in that in that span of time, you're, you're spot on, Michael. That's uh that's a total collapse defensively for Iowa. You got to think that
7: the injury to C.J. Frederick has something to do with that.
3: The final five have Wisconsin, Loyola, Chicago, Rutgers, Purdue, and Kansas. Is there a dark horse in this pack?
6: Well. It's got to be Loyola-Chicago, if any of the five. I I don't see the other four. Maybe slight chance Rutgers, but Loyola-Chicago. Now, here's the problem. They're not guaranteed to make the tournament. In fact, I have them projected just barely out at this moment if Drake takes the auto bid. But let's just imagine they get in. If they get in, this is going to be one of the most dangerous teams in the bracket. They play outstanding defense. They lead the nation in scoring defense. They play in-your-face defense. They make opposing offenses extremely uncomfortable. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Ramblers, I would highly recommend going back and turning on the tape of the two wins at Missouri State when Missouri State was just absolutely suffocated and uncomfortable, and it was, it was an absolute defensive clinic by the Ramblers. Uh, they also have the experience factor. You have uh, Krutwig is still there, part of the Final Four team when he was a freshman, now a senior, and also wing uh, Lucas Williamson. They played important roles on that Final Four run, and now – They are carrying the leadership mantle for this year's team, which might be an even better team than that year. They have other seniors in Ahur Agwak, Keith Clemens, and Tate Hall. They're all significant contributors. This is their last run for all five of them. And so you can see they have a different level of urgency this season. And a very dangerous team. Uh, Rutgers.
7: (laughs) For some reason, this team is like Sharon Stone to my Robert De Niro in Casino. I just keep taking her back, regardless of her indiscretions. I can't really justify it. I'm a believer in the Scarlet Knights, and I'm probably going to lose money on them when I fill out my bracket in March.
5: Yeah, there's not much I can really add. I think Loyola Chicago is the obvious answer. It's just interesting to call uh, Kansas a dark horse at this point. you got to keep in mind they have a lot of great talent there with Thompson and Garrett and Wilson and McCormick and Brown. They just don't have that alpha, and can they finally put it together in a total team effort? I would not discount them, but again, it's kind of strange to call Kansas kind of a dark horse. It's just something (laughs) new that we're not used to.
2: That's that's so true. Uh, We're breaking down the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with the Rockin' 25 voters, Eric Haslam, Michael Hunter, Rocco Miller, and from the the other receiving votes category, which team has absolutely no chance of making it past the uh, first round? Uh, I'm going to go against something Rocco just said. I'm going to say Drake because I
7: don't think they'll beat Loyola in the MVC tournament. They don't have the resume to make the tournament. Otherwise, they're 10-1 and 1 against quad four teams. I'm out. Later. I'm going
5: to go with Belmont. Belmont is 79th in the country right now. They But since 2006, they've been in the tournament eight times. They are 1-8. Uh, six of those losses are by double digits. The only win they had was a play-in game against Temple in 2019. Maybe Casey Alexander will have a little bit more success than his predecessor, Rick Byrd did. But, you know, the history is, is not uh, helping Belmont right now.
6: And I'm going to go with Georgia Tech. I'm sorry, Michael. But the easy answer to the question, I think, is Georgia Tech because of the simple math involved here. Out of all the teams receiving votes, the Ramblin' wreck are clearly uh, the team that's furthest from making the tournament at this juncture of the season. They need a real strong finish just to even hear their name called for the tournament. And on the court, if they do happen to get their name called... Uh, the jackets uh, struggled twice to secure key wins over Virginia. I know Virginia is a top-10 team, but it was a it was a bad warning sign that they can't close out games down the stretch. Uh, they also struggled to defend teams beyond the arc. They're ranked in the high 200s. Uh, the the one I looked at was 284 nationally in three-point defense. And obviously, a lot of tournament teams are really good at shooting the rock. Uh, so that's a big problem matchup-wise, most likely if the jackets hear their name called.
7: Yeah, there's there's no such thing as simple math at Georgia Tech. And I, and I don't necessarily disagree. Georgia Tech absolutely should have won that game um, on January 23rd against Virginia on the road in Charlottesville. And let's just say that it went down their leg, um, you know, two and four in their last six. They honestly should have beaten Virginia again on Wednesday night. I just my my guys just don't know how to win games sometimes. And. Even if they do squeak into the tournament, I don't necessarily disagree that they won't get rocked in the first round. And I, I
5: and personally, Michael, I don't know if I'm speaking on behalf of Josh. There's Pascal, no reason to
7: pile on,
5: Eric. I, I don't <laughs> think you can go to the tournament while wearing a welder's mask. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to be doing that. And that's well, what,
7: what,
6: what Josh Carlton is. Carlton Young
7: at Florida State wears a welding mask. So, uh, I mean, well, what, what, and if, and what,
6: and what see if they make I a don't. run, though? What, what if they make a run, though? They're going to they're gonna put that that welding mask on the mantle, it'll be hanging with the banner. (laughs) They'll put the mask (laughs) up on the banner. So
7: So that's that's the funny thing about this. And (laughs) if you read, if you read the G tech message boards, that's what they're hoping for. But if you look at Georgia Tech's schedule coming up, I mean, they they could, they should almost run the table outside of maybe Syracuse. They're going to have to actually. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Absolutely as well. And given what we've talked about on this program, Josh Pastner is going to win a game here and there that he has no business winning and he's going to lose two or three games that he has no business losing. For that reason, I don't think Georgia Tech is, is going to make the tournament at all anyway. So,
5: They were in my field of 68 at one point earlier this week. They are now not even in the first eight out.
6: Where can people find your work? You can find me at Bracketeer.org. We do a Bracketology updates twice a week. I know you can find that other places. What we like to specialize at Bracketeer.org is a special emphasis on what the committee is doing and thinking and picking up knowledge, not only historical data, but current data and conversations that the committee is having. So please check us out there. And then also on Twitter, I'm at Rocco Miller and the number eight. Thank you.
7: And I'd like to just shout out and say absolutely follow Rocco. One of the tremendous follows on College Basketball Twitter. And always, you can find me at ACCBR1 on Twitter, as well as ACCBasketballReport.com and accbasketballreport Basketball Report on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Pandora. I actually had Eric and Sean Dillon on last week in a four-way conversation with me and the Chimp that was... In a word, hilarious. So I hope you guys give it a listen. And as always, people can find me, my ratings, my rankings, my projections, my
5: bracketology over at Haslametrics.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter going hashtag analytically final at, at Haslametrics.
3: All right. The Rockin' 25 college basketball poll is available at 101thebeard.com. Our thanks to Rockin' 25 voters Eric Haslam, Michael Hunter, and Rocco Miller for the roundtable discussion today. Just one month until Selection Sunday, and your work will help us with our with our brackets. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, gentlemen.
2: G-Tech's still better than hey, Pittsburgh. That was nice, guys. No, Thank they're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, good stuff there. All right. A
4: look ahead at the Texas Tech Schedule.
0: Looking at the Red Raider sports calendar, uh, number 14 in the net standings down for Red Raider basketball uh, now has a home and home series, if you will, with TCU. It starts Monday night, 8 p.m. in Fort Worth. They take on TCU. That will be on ESPN. 5 p.m. Wednesday, they will host TCU. That'll be on ESPN, too. Lady Raiders down five. They're 104th in the rankings. Uh, Lady Raiders 9 and 11. 3 p.m. Saturday, they face Oklahoma State in the Play for K. Pink game. That's on ESPN+. 7 p.m. Wednesday, they head to Norman to face Oklahoma. That's on Fox Sports Oklahoma. Number nine, Texas Tech men's golf is going to be in Palm Springs, California, playing in the prestige tournament February 15th through the 17th. Number 14, Texas women's golf. They finished seventh at the Heroes Ladies Intercollegiate. They will travel to Houston for the Icon Invitational February 22nd and 23rd. Texas Tech Track and Field have five ranked men and five ranked women's teams in Lubbock this weekend. The Texas Tech Shootout at the Sports Performance Center, Arizona, Arizona State, BYU, Baylor, USC, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, weather permitting, all trying to take down the number four men's team and number 10 women's t- team women's team in the nation. Uh, number one, 15-time national champion Texas Tech meat judging team. They won the AMSA Mountain West Intercollegiate Contest in Laramie by just one point. Texas Tech's victory came from its first-place showings in beef judging, specifications and reason reasons questions and a fourth-place finish in overall beef. They will continue <laughs> their season later this month. I just read that don't know what it means. Number three uh, Red Raider Baseball one week from today. Let that resonate. One week from today they play number eight Arkansas 7 p.m. That game uh, at uh, Globe Life Park. It'll be on Flow Baseball. Then next Saturday six P, uh, Then next Saturday number six Ole Miss three p.m. and then number next Sunday number seven Mississippi State. It's about time to play
2: ball. All right, there you go. The Red Raider sports calendar. When we come back here, it is the final segment. It is the full court press, and then we crank up the music.
4: Full court press.
2: Four questions,
5: no hedging, you're on the record because it's the full-court press. Jeff, three-point makes in the TCU double for both games, Mac McClung and Terrence Shannon versus the whole Red Raider team combined.
2: Okay, so in those two games. Both games. Okay, um, you know what? I think uh, I think McClung is going to go off in these two games, so go ahead, and, uh, I'll go ahead and take McClung and uh, Terrence. Okay, Pete, rebounds in the TCU double. Marcus Santos-Silver and Mac McClung
0: or Kevin McCuller and Terrence Shannon Jr.? Oh, Santos Silva should get. So I'm going to go with M- McCuller and, and Shannon, although Shannon had, you know, he comes off the bench, but I, I, I really like Kevin McCuller, so I'll go with anything with him. Okay, uh, Jarrett, which Red Raider pitcher will have more strikeouts this year? Freshman, Nick
5: Gorby or Jamie Hit? Gorby.
2: All right. <laughs> <laughs> and that, my friends, is your full of color press. <laughs> All right, I like it. One-word answer, man. I say hey, you just answer the question that was put before you. I like it. All right, this has been the Red Raider Outfitter rocking pregame. And, uh, man, stay warm this weekend and stay home, I guess, if you can. So, uh, all right, see you guys next week.
4: Bye. See you. Bye, bye, Pete. See, ya. see,
2: ya, Jeff. see you, Jeff.
0: Happy
3: New Jack. Year. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: <man>. Terrible. <laughs> 101.1, the beard rocks.